This episode of Ministry Monday is brought to you by Ministry Scheduler Pro. Your volunteer needs may be changing rapidly. Ministry Scheduler Pro can help you accommodate volunteer preferences and create fair schedules quickly and easily. Learn more at ministryschedulerpro.com. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 131 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy, produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. So I am going to share something with you, our listeners. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday in many respects. Thanksgiving is a day with no expected gift giving, minimal commercialism, and minimal buildup on radios and TV. Thanksgiving Day itself is a day in which I typically accompany one Mass on the morning of, and the people that attend truly so want to be there. Their participation is always through the roof, and their energy and love for the Eucharist is always so apparent. Thanksgiving itself is a suspended day in time when all that matters is family, food, and, well, maybe football. (laughs) It's focused on gratitude, plain and simple. And yet here I am, discussing wearing masks and COVID-19 tests in the very present reality that I will not be seeing my family for Thanksgiving this year. I never thought one year ago that I would be saying that. And I would imagine many of your Thanksgiving plans look different this year too. Is there space for gratitude in the midst of division, chaos, illness, and overcrowded hospitals? How can we pause for Thanksgiving when so many lives are at stake? The truth is, we can't. At least, we cannot to the fullest expression of Thanksgiving that many of us are used to. And yet, in the midst of the chaos, the uncertainty, and the awful virus that plagues not just our country, but our world, there might just be some space to express gratitude there might just be a silver lining. Today I speak to Kate Basie. Author and liturgical composer Kate Basie is a mother of three active boys, which she always mentions means there's always something breaking. And she also has one chromosomally gifted daughter. Her books on faith formation are available from Liguri and Our Sunday Visitor, and her music for Catholic worship is available through WLP GIA, as well as Simply Liturgical Music. 
I called Kate and I asked her to sit down with me and chat about the lens of gratitude she discusses in her most recent Liturgical Singer article. And Liturgical Singer is an NPM-created publication for cantors and other singers alike. Kate's perspective is honest and real, filled with motherhood and ministry, and is just the thing I needed to start this week's unconventional Thanksgiving. Hi, Kate. We're here on Ministry Monday. Um, I have not seen you via Zoom since the virtual convention. How have you been? How has life been for you? It has been uh, crazy, but good. I've been, um, I, I have four children and two of them have gone back in person and two of them are doing virtual. So it is madness all the time. What does that madness look like? Are they, are they hybrid or is it all in person? I mean, what's that like? My daughter is in a special ed classroom, um, a self-contained classroom, and then zooming into some of the um, to some reg-ed classes. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're doing all of that from school. So she's there four and a half days a week. And my son is in, my youngest son is in a Catholic school that is going full-time. Everybody's in school. Um, I think they, the the, the COVID cases are circling closer and closer. I'm just waiting for the day when we get the call that he has to stay home for two weeks. But Mm -hmm. um, so far, so good, which is really saying something by the first or second of November. Yeah. Um, the two who are at home, I've got a middle schooler who's doing great, really, really doing well, um, having a good attitude about um, online schooling. And I have a, and I have one other one that's really struggling. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of across the board. Okay. I had one kid, sorry, I had one kid who, uh, the one who's in school full time, came home complaining about how he had to go to school. And I was like, you need to not complain about this because you need to just be grateful. You get to see your friends every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds to me though. I mean, I don't have any children, but it sounds to me like what you're describing is probably a pretty good summary or encapsulation of what a lot of families are experiencing right now, where some children are doing okay and some aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that that probably our experience covers most of the gamut for mm-hmm. what people are experiencing in different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So in the midst of all of this, you as a mother, as an author, um, have been thinking and reflecting about gratitude, which is what I wanted us to talk about today. So so Kate, you, you wrote an article for the liturgical singer about this topic, and that's what inspired me to reach out and ask you if we could just talk about this, because it's been something that I have been feeling lately. It's just a weird month of November. It's a weird season of my life, and I think a lot of people's lives. And so, you know, I was so inspired by your article, I was hoping we could talk about it a little bit more. So for those that didn't read it, we highly encourage you to, to read the whole article. But for those who didn't, what are some of your thoughts and reflections about gratitude in this season of our lives? Well, I guess the first thing is that we that we, we have a tendency, I think, as human beings to focus on the not good. I know from myself, I discovered Enneagrams this year and I am an Enneagram number one, which is, I forget what they call it. It, Basically, it means I'm always on a crusade and I'm always seeing what needs fixing. So that's like by definition, a glass half empty kind of thing. And uh, for the last several years, I have done, um, rather than a new year's resolution, I've chosen a word or a phrase for the year. 
And the one that came to mind as I was approaching the start of 2020 was see the good. And so that's been uh, like even before COVID, that was what spoke to me and what the spirit was telling me to, to focus on this year, see the good. And as soon as all of this stuff with COVID hit, I was like, whoa, that is not what I thought this was going to be about. But man, you know, <laughs> uh, man, was that ever the right phrase for this year? Um, so I think that it's, it's important to recognize and to acknowledge and to, to stand face to face with all of those things that are difficult for us. Um, you know, we're looking at we're looking at huge shutdowns. It's not just, I mean, some people aren't even singing at all. Like what, what we've, we've been spending generations trying to get Catholics to sing. And now, now we have to tell them to shut up. You know, I mean, what is, there's nothing, it, it all feels so backwards and our, our congregations aren't even there in some cases. And we're trying to figure out, there's just a lot. There's just a lot. We all know what the problems are. Um, but I think that the, that what we have the choice to do is to get bogged down in all of that or to um, to really look at it from a different perspective and look for what good can we draw from this. So for instance, in the spring, when everything shut down, it was it was total tragedy. Like the soccer season was canceled. The field trip with the honors choir was canceled. The kids were a mess. Every everybody was a mess. I was lying awake at night, like in huge anxiety. And, but in the middle of all of that, we also, we, we also were like, oh, we can have a game night. We can have dinner together as a family every night. I can cook my big fancy, um, you know, the, the meals that take an hour and a half to prepare because I have time to do that. I mean, we don't, we don't have that in, in regular ordinary American life. And, as we spent time together as a family in those evenings and we got to learning how to do birthdays, you know, my, the first birthday in my house was like four or five days into the shutdown. I mean, it was like right on top of the beginning of the shutdown and it was just horrible for that poor kid. We did what we could, but that poor kid, by the time the second one came around, we'd figured out the birthday parades and we hung streamers in his doorway and, like everybody wrote notes and left them in random places to find around the house. Like we're, beca- we're coming, becoming so creative on how to rethink. And, and all of that is a really beautiful thing because we have a tendency to get stuck in the way things have always been done. And we have to do this and we have to do this. We have to do this, but there's all these, there, there are all these other um, that things can have more meaning because they're different. So that was, something that I think we can import into the church uh, setting as well, because think about, think about the fact that we're all going to be back in building mode when this is over with the congregations are going to have to relearn to sing. The choirs are probably going to have to be rebuilt because they're going to have forgotten how to blend with each other. I mean, there's going to be a lot of building to be done, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we also have, you know, there's this big problem in churches that, but that's the way we've always done it. Hmm. Well, that's not true anymore. You know, so coming out of this, we have an opportunity to, to be like, Hey, what was that vision that we really wanted this to, to look like? Because I, because coming back into it, we're not just going to slap right back into what we did before. It's going to look different. And we have a chance to do a hard reset on things that we thought were really problematic. I feel like, like you said, I feel like we have an opportunity 
to go to ground zero, like we've never had ground zero. Like I, it, I think in, in some ways I do, I think that's a good thing. I mean, so, so personally anecdote on my part, um, we, I've always wanted to do, you know, this song or that song in our parish, but to be honest, we never did it. And mm -hmm. I'm of the mindset in order to build congregational participation that I don't, I don't add a new song every week. I think that's, I think to build, com I think to build trust with a congregation, I try and um, introduce a new song and introduce it for a couple weeks in a row or every other week mm -hmm. for a couple months or something to try and get them game their footing. I've been a little bit riskier, if you will, um, providing a couple more new songs than I would because, well, to be truthful, they're not, they're, they're, they don't have any hymnals in their hands. They're not meant to be singing right now. So it's, it's a time in some ways to kind of help them learn by osmosis, learn by listening, mm -hmm. um, some new music that I truthfully would not have picked otherwise. So you're right. I, I do. I think it helps us re-examine in ways we probably never would have been able to before really, at least to that level. Maybe that's just my experience, but I think you're right. The other thing that gets to happen for us this year is that, I mean, the holidays are going to be crazy regardless, but what we don't have this year is lots of choir practices, multiple choirs of choir practices, scheduling lots of canters. Everything is sort of streamlined this year um, in terms of the musical needs. So what if, you know, this is, we, we have a tendency on Christmas to all get on Facebook and try to outdo each other about how bad our, <laughs> our situation has been on Christmas. I, I'm, I'm a volunteer and I only do, at this point in my life, I'm only doing one group and I do one mass at Christmas. So I don't have to deal with that. I'm totally on the outside of all of this, but I did that too when I was working full-time. And the, um, you know, Every, but there's always this unspoken subtext under that, like, oh, this is so hard and it's on Sunday and Monday and now we've got the, the Sunday masses and the Christmas Eve masses and the Christmas Day masses and then we get to do it all again the next week, you know, and, and all of that. And what if this is our year of we've always been like, I wish I could just have Christmas like everyone else. Well, this is our year. I mean, it's not going to be exactly like everyone else, but what if, what would it be like to just be able to go home on Christmas day and be with your family and enjoy the cooking of the meal instead of being a zombie or taking a four hour nap because you were up all night. I mean, maybe this is a, that that's something we can be grateful for this year that if things, if there's less intensity to the holiday schedule, we get to have that experience. And by next year, we'll be like, okay, enough of that. Let's go back to, to the real life, you know, and we'll be happy for it. We'll be, mm -hmm. and, and that's another thing that I think um, is really important is that a lot of times we don't recognize the, we don't recognize what we had, that song, you know, the tear down the park, they put up a parking lot, that song, um, paved paradise and put up a parking lot that you don't know always what you had until it was gone. and that's not true. We know it in our heads, but we don't know it at like this gut deep level. And we're learning it. We're learning what it to know it in that way this year. I think for me too, Christmas this year is, how do I say this? You know, I, I love the, the saying is you can't see the forest through the trees, you know? So I think in particular this year, my forest is spread out more, if that makes sense, you know? So we, 
we as pastoral musicians, we every year have like this buildup, like you said, of multiple extra rehearsals. And then you have to schedule an additional rehearsal because three people had the stomach flu. So you have to reschedule the rehearsal and you, you have all these things. And then you have Christmas concerts and maybe there's children's choir pageants and plays, we have all this stuff. And then it all accumulates and culminates to like 48 hours of chaos, <laughs> like 48 hours of a marathon ministry where like you said, we're running on like three hours of sleep and then we have to somehow get up after all of the, all the coordination and all of the work that is required for all these ensembles, which are fantastic, but they're exhausting. They're draining. And so we yeah. get home and like, my only goal on Christmas is to sit up at the table. <laughs> like that is my one, if I'm sitting up, I'm done. That is my only goal. I mean, even if so many of us are still ministering, which I know, you know, I plan to, I'm sure you plan to. The schedule is going to be different. The coordination of people is going to be different. And in a lot of places, I think it has to be more simplistic. You know, it reminds me of when Pope Francis came to the United States a couple of years ago when he was in D.C. for this really big papal mass. And I'm from the Northeast. So my priests were invited to come down as brother priests for this huge mass. And they were like hundreds, if not thousands of priests there. And he came home and he said, you know, it was very interesting because it was a, it was an ornate, elaborate mass. The music was fantastic. They had all these symphony, you know, all, all these orchestral, you know, members and these big ensembles. And he said, it was wonderful. But I wonder if it reflected the spirit of Pope Francis. Like if he mm -hmm. had his way, would he really have wanted such a big mass? And I think in some ways, I think this might, this year might actually give us the opportunity to celebrate a Christmas more simply than we normally would, you know, with, with our congregations. Um, we usually hire brass. Can't do that. I know you're a flautist, but if you were at my church, Kate, I probably wouldn't hire you this year because, <laughs> you know, thing, things are, you know, with woodwinds and spreading like unfortunately like you said like we don't have the the vocal or the the um the woodwind instruments that we can this year and so i think this year actually may reflect a simplistic side of christmas that maybe even is a little more aligned with the birth of jesus than what we're used to and the, the question then becomes it applies here and there's not a right or a wrong answer but one of the things that um, really came to mind as I was doing like Zoom socials with mothers of my kids in the shutdown, mm -hmm. everyone, everyone said the same thing. This is so stressful. I'm so anxious. And yet, and yet we're home every night and it's wonderful. And I'm spending time with my family and I love the slower pace of life. I'm not sure I want to go back to how I lived before. And so for that, like, so that becomes also the question that we have here. When we talk about the hard reset, we get to actually ask the questions. We've always done it this way. Do we need to? Maybe the answer is yes, but maybe the answer is no. Who knows? Uh, we, we really have the opportunity, both at the holidays and just in general and in our lives to say, hey, I've, it has suddenly become clear to me that the balance in my life was not the balance that was 
spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, or good for, good for my family. And, and I have a chance to, to change that now. I have a chance to be intentional about it. And so going back in, um, you know, in my family, um, I, I'm, we're the all in kind of people. Like if you do it, you're going to do it right. Mm -hmm. So you never miss anything. You do all of everything. And when you have four kids and two parents who are extremely involved in their own things, it's pretty darned intense. Um, and coming out of this, I went, we've either got to drop some activities or we got to cut back on our, what we're, what we think we have to do. And so I went into the, one of the organizations and I, when we started back up, I said, I want you to understand we're not going to come to everything anymore. We're just not going to. We've, uh, what, what I discovered was that we need, we need that space. If we're willing to undertake the effort, we have an opportunity here to rethink everything that we're doing and really be intentional instead of just continuing to do what we've always done. I think the last thing too I want to mention is that if we didn't know it before, which I feel like most of us did, but if we didn't know it before, it has made me remember how important music ministry is to, to my community, to, to, to those who volunteer for it. Um, where I don't want to say this, this sounds blasphemous to put this on a ministry Monday podcast, but I, I've, I've reminded myself, especially right now, that music in some cases is not the number one reason some of my choir members are in my choir. You know, for some of them, it's getting out, it's being a part of it. It's, it's carpooling with their neighbor. It's being heard. It's being seen each week. And the music is great, but to not to, to everyone, it's a byproduct, you know, to, to some people it's a byproduct and it's still very important to them and they love music. But I have found that I think that there's a, there's a focus back on people and community that I'm very grateful for in particular this year, because like you said, in the midst of the chaos with Christmas, I know it's hard. I mean, I often say things like, you know, oh, attendance is mandatory in these last two rehearsals and make sure that you're here, make sure that you're here. Um, and I think sometimes I forget how critical it is to make people feel included in that the, you know, Christmas music is wonderful. I, I, you know, there's something so magical about midnight mass where you're singing, you know, a holy night with everyone. But the most important thing as we come back out of this is reevaluating and making sure that what we're doing is focusing on the people, focusing on the ministry, so that what we can provide music wise is also of the highest quality, not just musical quality a quality for themselves, for their lives, so that they, they can be sustainable, they can stay in choir, because I'm sure everyone, many people are reassessing right now. Um, so, you know, as we go forward, it just reminds me how important the ministry side is to music, you know, the, the, the people in my music ministry. Because also, quite frankly, it makes you miss them, you know? It makes me miss them a lot. I miss them a lot as we prepare for Christmas right now. Well, and uh, also, I think that what you said underscores that the music is is always a facilitator. Like, um, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't, I, I think sometimes we can get too focused on the execution of the music itself and the quality. 
but I, I think we're all aware, like it's implicit in the idea of ministry that, that the music is a facilitator of worship. And so I don't think you're being blasphemous is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, good, good, I'm glad. <laughs> <clears throat> well, as we wrap up this episode, this Thanksgiving episode, are there any other thoughts that you'd like to share or anything else? You know, one thing that occurred to me uh, that is probably an, is probably true for more people, some people and not for others, um, I remember that when we were not going, when we weren't going to mass at all and everything was online, there were people who said, I feel bad. Like I shouldn't go to communion because so many other people are not able to. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of, you know, one of the things that happened to me, because I am a volunteer, I'm not in charge at my parish and I was off. I was, I, I went from, you know, on Sunday, we had choir on Tuesday, the world ended, you know, mm, right. And, um, and I did not go to mass or receive communion for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And when I came back on mother's day for the first time, I cried receiving communion and my kids were all looking at me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then, <laughs> Such to the point that the following week when we went to mass, they all looked at me to see if it was going to happen again. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so the things that we don't like, some of us may still be taking for granted the Eucharist is what I'm trying to say. And for those who have been away, who still haven't come back, um, there is, there's a gratitude waiting to be discovered. And we have an opportunity, I think, in our parishes, we have a window as we start to reopen. I don't know how to use it. I don't know what it looks like for sure, but I feel very sure that there's an opportunity that people are going to be coming back with a new appreciation for the importance of what it is we do there. And we need to be prepared to harness that gratitude when it happens. Great points for us to think about for Thanksgiving week. Uh, great points as we, we we focus to the first Sunday of Advent this upcoming weekend. Um, and great points to think about as we experience most likely the most unconventional uh, Advent and Christmas we, we've ever had. Although maybe, Kate, it won't be so unconventional after all. I don't know. Maybe it'll reframe, it'll reframe a lot for us. Who knows? We shall see. For more information about Kate, check out the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of The Least of These was produced by Oregon Catholic Press 
And today's theme music was produced by Aaron Chows. Today's episode was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here next Monday.